Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings, but also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to be able to spread God's word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet over these podcasts. And we're thankful for you listening. And we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can each time you listen. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but you know people in your life, probably some within your own family, in fact, who need to turn their lives around. They need to get into God's word. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God and their soul's salvation. So help them by sharing these studies with them. Get them into God's word. You may end up helping them get to heaven. Share with your family members, your friends, your work, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing it will be for you to help somebody ultimately turn their eternal destiny around, but that will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing. Also, encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down to the podcast link and click on that and sign up for our podcasting. Now, we always emphasize it is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will receive automatically on their smart device, smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, whatever they choose, they will receive automatically our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a great, I really think a wonderful, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every single day called Today's Bible Class. They will also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And all of that, again, will be automatic and free. While at our website at churchofchrist.com, people can download hundreds of sermons, and they can listen, they can follow along, they can study through those. They can also download and read through and study hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. Again, all of that is for free, always will be free. So take advantage of this and encourage others to do so help them get into God's word. We're going to get back into our study now of 2 Peter, and we're in chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, again, we've taken time to work through this, this particular letter, just as we did in 1 Peter, and as we did in James, and the different New Testament letters from the Apostle Paul that we studied through prior to that. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3, the first th three verses we looked at last time, and here Peter is starting to focus on the destructive, spiritually and eternally destructive nature of the work of false teachers. And then also he's going to move into their ultimate judgment and doom because of their false teaching. Let's go back and read those first three verses and set the stage, and then we'll move on, picking up with verse 4. Peter wrote, beginning with verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 2, 
But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Now, we talked about the difference between false prophets in Old Testament times and false teachers today. The false prophets were false teachers, obviously. They were teaching things to the people that were wrong. They were incorrect. They were contradictory to God's will. Now, if you look back through the Old Testament scriptures, you'll find that frequently that was to gain them favor in the eyes of perhaps the king in whatever nation they were prophesying, or favor in the eyes of people who wanted to hear things that made them feel good in what they were doing, so much of which was ungodly and, again, contradictory to the Old Testament law of Moses and to the scriptures in general. They were being unfaithful, and they wanted to feel good in their unfaithfulness. Now, today, the false teachers, they're distinct from the false prophets in that the false prophets were were prophesying in a day when God was giving them prophecies to communicate to the people. Well, today we have the New Testament scriptures written down for us, and so those scriptures hold God's teachings for us until the Lord comes again. But there are teachers out there who are teaching error. They're teaching false doctrine. And so just, they're not false prophets necessarily, although some would call themselves prophets, but they're false teachers, just as the prophets of Old Testament times who were teaching things that were false, that were contrary to God's will, they were teaching false teachings The false teachers today are doing the same. They're just, most of the time, they're not looked upon as being prophets or even calling themselves prophets, but they're still teaching false doctrine. So again, verse one, there just as there, but there were also false prophets among the people, Old Testament times, even as there will be false teachers among you. And that's right now in New Testament times, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. You see, again, sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59 and verse 2, and the wages of sin is death, unless it is repented of and sought forgiveness for properly, according to God's teachings, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So these false teachers Now, they may feel like they're getting away with it for a while, or the people who they are, who are following their false teachings may think, well, this is really good. Everything's going well. No, God knows what's going on, and he will hold them accountable, both the false teachers for their teaching error, teaching doctrines that are contrary to the teachings of God communicated to us in the New Testament, and he also will hold hold responsible those and accountable those who are following those false teachings presented to them by the false teachers. So bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now, you think about people who follow false teaching. Well, there are false teachers out there who are really sincere in what they teach. They really believe what they're saying, but they're just wrong. They're not They're not teaching what is in harmony with what the scriptures say. Sometimes they twist them around to make them fit what 
they think is a good idea as far as a belief is concerned. Sometimes they're simply repeating what they have been taught by their denominations that are steeped in false doctrine, false teaching. And so they simply repeat that to the, in, in, as they're teaching people of that same denomination, and they're leading them astray, just as they have been led astray. But many people follow that. They believe that. A lot of people, they see a fellow standing in a pulpit with a Bible in his hand, and they think, well, he's teaching the truth. Or maybe they see this, this fellow teaching something, and he sounds authoritative, and they think, well, that must be right. Yeah, it sounds good, but it's not. It's false teaching. It, you know, it, it, some, a lot of false teaching is the principle of teaching some truth, but mixing it with some error. I've used the illustration many times in teaching and preaching. I remember as a young boy visiting relatives in western Tennessee, and in, in one particular home, my aunt and uncle, they, had, they raised hogs. And under a counter in their house, they had this big five-gallon bucket, I believe it was, and you look in that bucket, and there was all kinds of nasty-looking stuff in there. But it was all food. They might throw coffee grounds in there. They might throw, you know, old coffee, cold coffee, you know, maybe uh, some old tea or whatever it might be. And then they'd throw food that was left over, biscuits and stuff. Now, sometimes you might see a perfectly good-looking biscuit floating around, and that was called a slop bucket, by the way, and my uncle and farmers would do that once a day or so. They'd take that slop bucket out to the hog pen, and they'd pour it into a trough. The hogs loved it. Oh, they would eat that stuff up. But now you'd look at it, and you'd say, yuck, there's no way I'm going to eat anything out of there. But now and then you might see a perfectly good-looking biscuit floating around in there, except it was in the slop bucket. And you sure weren't going to pull that, what looked like a good biscuit, out of that slop bucket and, and start putting it in your mouth. No, you stay away from that. But there was good food in that slop bucket. Well, and the hogs loved it. Oftentimes, false teachers will mix false teaching with truth. And so for somebody who is not well-grounded in the truth of God's word, well, they might be taken in. The false teaching might look like it's truth also because it's, it's communicated right along with that truth. Like that biscuit in that slop bucket, that looks good, but there's a whole lot of other stuff in there you wouldn't eat. Well, they see the false teaching combined with truth communicated in God's word, and it all looks like it fits together. And so they buy it all. Well, many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now, why would the way of truth be blasphemed? Well, because other people will recognize the false nature, the ungodly nature of the false teaching, or maybe they might say the mixing up of what is obvious truth with what is really, when you look at it, you step back a little bit, you get a broader perspective, what is obviously not true. 
They see that. And I've made this point many times. When you get into the lives of people who don't believe the Bible to begin with, they may not even believe in God, or maybe they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. Maybe they have some kind of spiritual belief system, but they don't believe in Christianity. But they see all of these different denominations who teach all kinds of different and contradictory doctrines to one another, and they see all of that confusion as a result. Well, that turns them away. In a lot of cases, it turns them away from Christianity because they say, look at all that. That can't all be true. You're teaching things that contradict one another between denomination to, denom- to, de- to denomination. And so obviously, if there are two, two lines of teaching that contradict one another, they both cannot be true. One might be true, but the other one then would have to be false. Or it's possible that both of them are false, but they cannot both be true because they contradict one another. And that's obvious just from even a surface level examination of what they're teaching. And so when, when Peter writes here, many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed or spoken against. In other words, God's truth will be spoken against, it will be blasphemed, it will be put down. Now let's look at this from a little broader perspective, Christianity, Jesus being the Savior, be, it'll be spoken against, it'll be blasphemed because of the confusing nature of all of the false teaching that is mixed in by denomination after denomination after denomination after denomination, after denomination with some teachings of truth. Well, once you change truth, it's no longer truth. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. There are a whole lot of false teachers out there who know that they're fake. They know that they're charlatans, a kind of a technical word. They're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes, and ultimately it's to get a following, and almost certainly it's an idea that they're going to get money from those who are going to contribute, who they have hoodwinked, and they're going to contribute to their, to their cause, and they're going to get money out of this. What a horrible, unrighteous mindset and motivation that is. But there are all kinds of false teachers out there. So Peter's warning against them. Now, we pick up with verse 4, and Peter goes into a list of examples of how God held people that were unrighteous, that were believing things that were ungodly, that were not God's teachings, how God held them accountable. And punish them. Beginning with verse 4, he says, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, well, you could go back to Revelation chapter 12 and read about that. He cast them out of heaven. The angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell. And this is the Greek word Tartarus. Now, not the ultimate place of eternal punishment and judgment called Gehenna, 
It's a different word from the Greek, but cast them down to hell, Tartarus. Some translations might translate it Hades, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment yeah, until the final day of judgment. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, let's again. Okay, so God did not spare the angels who sinned, cast them out, cast them down to Hades, to Tartarus, did not spare the ancient world in the days of Noah. When you look at Genesis chapters chapter 5, and it talks about how the thoughts and intents of the imaginations of the hearts of mankind in general was only evil continually, except for Noah and his family. Well, God did not spare those unrighteous people that undoubtedly had given them hundreds and hundreds of years to repent, but they did not. And so he destroyed mankind from the face of the earth with the exception of Noah and his family. And notice that Peter identifies Noah as having been a righteous, a righteous preacher, preacher of righteousness. And then verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Now think about that. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were so ungodly, so evil and wicked, and that is the people within them, that God did not even find 10 righteous souls within. He had told Abraham that he would spare the cities if he could find 10 righteous souls. There were not 10 righteous souls. Now there was Lot and his wife and their two daughters, but that did not amount to 10 righteous souls. And so God destroyed those cities and everyone within them. Verse 7, and delivered righteous Lot, who is oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. And when you read the account of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is a horrible, horrible account. For that righteous man, that is Lot, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. And then verse 9 says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. God spared Lot. He spared his two daughters. He would have spared his wife, except she disobeyed the instructions of the angels sent from God to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They told Lot to and and his family, don't look back. Leave the city. Flee. Don't look back. And perhaps there was still that emotional connection in the mind, in the heart of Lot's wife. And so undoubtedly there must have been commotion. God rained fire and brimstone down upon the cities. And she became distracted from the instruction to just get out of there and don't look back. And she turned and looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. How sad. She would have been delivered, except she looked back into that sinful environment. 
and she turned to a pillar of salt. But God delivered Lot. God delivered his daughters. And it's interesting, the description of Lot living within those cities that were so ungodly, so immoral, so wicked, that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. It ought to cause us emotional and spiritual pain to observe how the world is conducting itself on such a broad-based scale. And by, by that I mean living in ungodliness, living in immorality, in wickedness, in evil. It prevails so much in our world today. And we live in this country. We are part of this culture. It really prevails within our country and within our culture. Now, that does not mean that we're at the point that Sodom and Gomorrah was at or that the world was at in Noah's day. But certainly, we're traveling down that road as a nation and as a culture, and the world is traveling down that road as well. What do we think is ultimately the end of all of that? We should learn from the examples of what God did, the judgment he brought upon the world in Noah's day, the the judgment he brought upon Sodom and Gomorrah in Lot's day. And so what is is the beginning of this focus of evil and wickedness and leading people astray into ungodliness, into belief systems that are contradictory to what God has laid out for us in his word? False teachers, going back to the first three verses of chapter 2, false teachers, I, I could, in my mind's eye at least, shudder to think about what will be the judgment upon false teachers when the Lord comes to judge all of mankind. Those who have led people astray, who have led people into a belief system that contradicts God's word laid out for us in the New Testament. Those false teachers who make people living in sin feel that it's okay, that it's good. My, my, we see that on such a broad-based scale right now in our country and in our culture. Verse 9 then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. There are people out there, don't tell me what to believe, don't Tell me I will believe what I want to believe. I will do what I want to do. God gives you that freedom. He does not make you be righteous. He does not make you obey him. But he does warn, I will hold you accountable. I've got something a whole lot better for you if you will walk with me in righteousness, in faithfulness, in obedience. But he does not make us do that. 
He warns us of the ultimate results, disastrous results of eternal condemnation in hell if we live in a way that is in disharmony, that is disrespectful, that is disobedient to God's teachings given to us in his word, in scripture. Especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous. They are self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Think about what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. And here John warned different kind of of you know language setting here but it's the it, it's it's the same warning basically he said beginning in verse 15 first john chapter 2 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him this world is not eternal heaven is life in this world is temporary in heaven it's eternal John goes on and says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. In other words, sinfulness is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. How sad. How destructive. How wicked. It is for false teachers to lead people astray, away from God through their false teaching. Now, we're not talking about making people atheists necessarily. That would be a small percentage of false teachers. We're simply talking about people who are teaching things that contradict, that do not follow the truth of God's word. They're making people feel, well, they're helping people to feel good in their ungodliness. And that's terrible. That's wrong. That's false teaching. People will say, we've got to become relevant to the times. Truth is truth, no matter what the year might be. Our time's just about up today, so we're going to stop here and park We'll come back and we'll look at this some more next time. Let's pray together. Father, help people, help us to recognize the power of the truth of your word and to cherish your truth, Father, your teachings. And at the same time, help people to recognize the danger and destructiveness of false teaching and help them to turn away from it and to turn to your truth, Father, we pray. You are the God of truth, totally righteous, totally good. Please, Father, we pray at this time, please forgive us, and we pray in Jesus' name, gracious Father, amen.